Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend, my colleague, my co-host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor to Midwestern Seminary. How are you, brother? We're doing great. Always great. I feel like that's my answer to every podcast. We're doing great. Well, one of these days, maybe you won't be doing great, and you'll just have to be honest. I'm doing bad. We don't. We I don't, mean, no one comes to a podcast here. <laughs> I'm doing bad. Well, I don't know. Well, they hear your beefs most of the time. You know, so. one reason I think you're doing great is because you've lost some weight. I, yeah? yeah, so... Uh, self-control. Self-control, yeah. paid off. Absolutely. So the way my boss said this is I said, I've lost some weight. And he has a praise point and a prayer request, and he and he wrote down uh, RLF. And I was like, "What does RLF stand for?" He meant Ross less fat. And I was like, "Thanks for that." Um, so yeah, we uh, sounds like it'd be some kind of percentage or something. My RLF is at point eight right now. <laughs> My Ross less fat is doing better. Uh, yeah, I read um, Drew Dick's uh, "Future Self Will Thank You" um, uh, book, part of the pastoral training center that Jared uh, runs at, at Liberty Baptist, uh, and just took on the challenge of looking at self-control it wasn't really designed in my mind to lose weight it was more about i know there's areas of my life that i don't have self-control over and i really kind of wanted to test myself and and to some extent prove to myself that it is possible to be self-controlled yeah and whatever your vice is it kind of doesn't really matter what the vice is it matters more about spiritually speaking do you trust the lord to to bring about that self-control through the holy spirit so set the challenge of 100 days to 100 days of what 100 days of 10,000 steps walking a day okay 100 days of not eating anything after the kids have gone to bed that was the hardest one wow and 100 days of only having one sugary treat a day now some of you are thinking one sugary thing while <laughs> while losing weight for me i could have had 25 a day that was my vices i'm a mm. sugar junkie type thing Hundred days just completed and yeah. uh, lost twenty pounds. Walked Excellent. over five hundred miles. Yes, you can make the joke and about Scottish. Five hundred <laughs> miles. When I looked and up, I <laughs> when I looked up, I said to my, "I've walked five hundred miles." And I went, "Oh no!" Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's amazing. I need to walk five hundred more. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's it's been to be honest. At times it's been miserable because I really want oh. I want the sugar. But I have been so blessed at, at learning I can be self-controlled. Mm. The downside is on day 101, Miriam had baked like a tray bake peppermint slices. I really love them. It's like my favorite thing. That doesn't uh, sound good. Miriam's like, they taste like, they taste like toothpaste. I'm like, they taste like gold. It's wow. just amazing. Okay. And I woke up and actually on the way to the podcast today, I opened the fridge and she went, Oh, I could have a peppermint slice for breakfast. And Mary went, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, but I've done my 100 days. No, I, it has been great. And losing 20 pounds, you know, it's, I'm healthier. My blood pressure is normalized. I'm sleeping better, eating better. My taste buds have changed, so I'm actually eating more fruit and veg. Mm -hmm. You know, just generally speaking, this has been great physically, emotionally, but to me, more importantly, spiritually. And Drew Dick's book has been really helpful of just learning that spiritual disciplines need self-control and eating well, I think to some extent is a spiritual discipline of self-control. It's, it's learning. Yeah. There is no aspect of my life I don't want to be out of control in. Yeah. I have radically shifted. I was about to say, you be, eat, you're, yeah. you're doing just as well, well if I, not better. At my weigh-in on Monday, I've lost 31 pounds. So it's, Is there a button with an applause? I Do you want know, to pick one maybe. randomly? 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So combined, we've lost 50 pounds. Yeah. 50 pounds. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd like to probably use another 20, 25, but it feels, it feels great. Yeah. And at this stage, I realize, you know, because it's taken me, I mean, I'm 47 and mm. it just, it just takes so much longer and it's so much harder. But now that I see it's working, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can keep going. Yeah. Like, I can keep doing this. But man, it's, the things that I'm eating. Yeah. I mean, yesterday for lunch, I had fruit. That's like what I had for lunch. Yeah. And I was like, I just set my brain. I'm having an apple, a banana, an orange, and some blueberries. That's what I'm having for lunch. And I didn't hate it. I mean, it, did, it, I didn't hate it. But you didn't love it either. Oh, no. I mean, I would prefer tacos al pastor for yeah. sure, but I, I didn't hate it. And yeah. then for dinner, I had salmon and yeah. broccoli and... I'm like, what is happening to yeah. me? What are these? What, what have I become? Do you know where I really noticed it? Is so, so really, what really kickstarted it for me is I preached a sermon like 110 days ago, and I was getting out of breath by the end of it. Mm. And I said to Miriam, "I'm convinced I'm out of breath because I'm carrying more weight than I yeah, should be right yeah. now." So I was like, "I'm done with this. It needs to change. I want to yeah. preach literally every sermon without having to be out of breath." I have yet to preach post 100 days, yeah. so that's going to be the real test. Yeah. Well, and you're right. Like you, you don't just feel better or quote unquote, you know, look better. I suppose. Like I'm pulling shirts out of my closet that I haven't <laughs> worn in a long time, and I'm like, oh, I actually look good in this. Uh, if you do, so but so like I so. sleep better. Yeah. I mean, just walking around just feels different. You know. Welcome uh, to the FTC Fitness Podcast. There you go, Fitness <laughs> Podcast. Well, let's talk about the podcast for a second. Some we got some new reviews. We have reviews. The guilt trips continue to work. This guilt trip's been running for months now. I know. This is from Mr. Jayco58. My favorite podcast. Whoa. All right. Five stars. He says, I just asked a question, or she, I, I well, I guess Mr. I just asked a question for the mailbag on Facebook. So I feel like I should leave a review too. And now I'm worried that I'm, we're not using their question coming up. <laughs> or Jared might have a beef with me. <laughs> This podcast combines the best of every genre, theology, comedy, world culture, entertainment, and movie reviews. Who would have thought that I could learn about Christ, Fast and the Furious, <laughs> and the Loch Ness Monster all in one place? Why should I listen to anything else? That's a that's, that's, fantastic yeah. question. Genuinely, this is my favorite podcast by far. I find myself laughing out loud regularly, but taking away so much valuable stuff. Thanks for taking the time to do this. And please... Keep it going. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Jayco58. This one comes from DeSisco11. Great stuff. Five stars. Love these guys. Jared and Ross have some great advice about Christian living, pastoral ministry, and starting fires during church services. <laughs> After episode 220, all I can think when Ross begins to talk is Ross Ferguson started the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. <laughs> Seriously, though, this is the best Christ-centered podcast you'll find. God bless you guys. Well, thank you, DeSesco11. I'll read one more. This comes from Jonathan Gluck. <laughs> you know Jonathan Gluck? Why are you laughing? <clears throat> I'm laughing at what this review is oh, about to say. Top-notch, five stars, Jay Money, a.k.a. Jared <laughs> Wilson, and Lil Ferg, a.k.a. Ross Ferguson, are terrible rappers. Well, okay. However, we got those are great names, though. Jay Money and Lil Ferg. I mean, we should have an album. He says, however, this dynamic duo absolutely crush it as hosts of the For the Church podcast. Attempts at humor aside, I really enjoy this podcast because Jared and Ross do a great job addressing a wide variety of topics while keeping Christ at the center of all things. Great job, guys. Edit. For some reason, it's showing I left one star. Not the case. Hopefully, the edit fixed it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, it says five stars, Jonathan, and we very much appreciate that. 
Speaking of things that we appreciate and don't appreciate, we're going <laughs> to yes. continue. I, I think this is going to be the capper. I think we're going to end the Pet Peeve series. I mean, I'm sure we can probably think of some other things to complain about, but I'm, I'm, calling, it, I'm calling it a day on we, this. We on have this had a few people mention the Pet Peeves in a negative sense. Oh, oh so, I've not heard that. Oh, yeah. I, I thought they'd been pretty popular, Well, they've actually. been popular, but there's a few out there okay. that think we're just too grumpy men. Uh, oh, complaining about things. But well, and we are. But I think we're just saying what the people <laughs> want to truly see themselves. Well, and we're turning it around on the people in this episode because we have done in the past pet peeves about preachers, pet mm. peeves about worship leaders, pet peeves about Bible teachers, pet peeves about youth leaders. Youth leaders. I don't remember if we've done it, but all kinds of leaders and mm. teachers. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to flip the script, pet peeves from the leader position Towards the congregation. And this is gonna, we're gonna be walking a fine line here because I really agree with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who says that we should never complain about our congregations. (laughs) (laughs) So, what we're gonna do is. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna violate Bonhoeffer's uh, wish dream law. Before we jump into this, I won't say who, but someone suggested to us that we should do pet peeves of pastor's wives. And I said, I'm not touching that. Not doing that. No way. Yeah, yeah. Pastor's wives are great. Nope. (laughs) Nope, no pet peeves. We'll just go to the congregations. Well, yeah, so the idea is instead of focusing on on peeves about leaders, maybe we can just look at some annoying, can we call that annoying habits in congregations, irritating, or just things that are less than It's interesting. I don't know how you've taken this, but I've taken this as pet peeves of things the congregation does toward the pastor. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've got, got a, one I've got general. A, but I've got a few of those. I was thinking mainly not just like let's complain about the church, but like in relation to the worship service, oh. like the experience of the preacher as it pertains to the okay. congregation. That's okay. how I've taken it. So this isn't just like free for all. Let's just dog the church. <laughs> I might have done that way. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, Why don't you go first? Okay. I'm going to go first. Here's one. And this is a personal pet peeve. <laughs> Some people's mileage may vary. Some preachers get really upset or at least discouraged when people are sleeping during their sermons. <laughs> I don't care about that. I'm going to be honest with you. I had to does get, it happen a lot to it you? It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens frequently. You preach long enough, yeah. you know, well, you know, in duration, but also you preach for a, a number of years. And, yeah, you encounter your nappers from time to time. And I just—I had to get over this really quickly. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, there's some people— that they just fall asleep, and I had to kind of get glad in the same pants I got mad in, and yeah. discover when you know your people well enough. One thing that I, you know, learned is that I had a number of guys, for instance, at my last church, who, you know, they work late hours and mm-hmm. they work really hard all through the week, and I was actually just glad they were in church. They yeah. could have been the person who on Sunday morning says, "I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I mean, yeah. if I go there, I'm just going to fall asleep in the pew. So why not stay in my bed?" No, they came and yeah. fell asleep in the pew, and I appreciate that. I actually. <laughs> Uh, it kind of takes some pressure off, too. They don't know if the sermon was good or bad. I mean, I guess they yeah. can say it was bad because they fell asleep, but that's not why they fell asleep. Come on. This know? doesn't sound like a pet peeve. This sounds like an encouragement. No, but I'm about to switch it because okay. some people complain about sleepers. Yeah. But here's here's my pet peeve as, as the experience of preaching. When people talking, I can kind of abide by, but uh-huh. when they're talking and laughing uh-huh. with each other, like little jokes that make people laugh during the sermon. Okay. And here's why it's a pet peeve, because I always think they're making fun of me. Oh, no. There's something in an, an insecurity, and I'm sure it has nothing to do with mm. me. They're actually not even paying attention to the sermon. They're <laughs> just laughing about something that was funny you know, between each other. But whenever that happens, like you just hear someone laugh or yeah. something like that, I think, oh, uh, they're making fun of me. or And it just it's so distracting. It takes me right I out. I mean, 
we did laugh at you when you said that we're all great saviors with one great <laughs> sinner in your sermon. I mean, that that was just... I, well, I don't mean <laughs> laughing at a joke. I, know, I, know I just mean. mean a side conversation yeah. that makes people laugh. I'm thinking... Oh, I think it's often like about? married couples. They'll like share yeah. a little bit together. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we've gone very different directions with this. Well, that's fine. Okay. I feel like that's light. It is. It's just a personal thing. Okay. Yeah. It's just Here's something very personal one. to me. Demeaning and controlling statements on Sunday mornings. From from, from the, the congregation. Okay. Here, here's what Give they me an are. Example. Okay. We pay your wages. Oh. What do you do all week? You only work on Sundays. You only do one hour of work each week. Mm. See those statements? Man, it takes everything with me to, yeah. to bite my tongue and not re- respond back. It's just a pet peeve of mine. They're like, we work at minimum five days a week, if not six. We're on yeah. call almost yes. all the time. There's so few jobs in this world where you're not doing 101 things at all hours of all days. And don't get me wrong, there's privileges. You know, I don't have to clock in, clock out, those yeah. types of things. But this idea of... I want you to work harder. I pay your wages. Stop complaining. You only do one hour of work on a well, Sunday. And the thing with ministry that really too gets is me. like 90% of it is done behind it's the scenes. Yes. And it's not the kind of thing that you can like, you know, if yeah. you're in people's homes for yeah. crisis counseling or just, you know, whatever. These aren't things that you're constantly pinning to yeah. the wall like, hey, look what I did today, you know, yeah. for good reason. And so those who just make assumptions is yeah. like... Yeah, it's but then I have, a heart crusher. I've had some people that said it just as a joke. Like, they didn't really mean it, but they always said it as a joke. Yeah. And you'd be like, how are you doing, Pastor? And you'd be like, oh, it's, it's been a long week. Looking forward to my Sunday afternoon nap. Or what do you mean? You only work one hour yeah, a week. Yeah. And I'm like, ha, 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 it's so funny. <laughs> and just like, it's just like you think yeah. you're being funny. You really yeah. aren't. Yeah. So you don't like people laughing in a church. I don't like people trying to think they're funny mm. in a church. <laughs> Man, the, this is going bad already. The, the false comedians. Uh, okay, coming back to the experience of the sermon. Yeah. Um, people who, this may be close to yours, or it's in the same field as what you just shared, nitpicking the sermon right after right the sermon. Right afterwards, yeah. I mean, nitpicking in general, but even just, because most people who are doing this, they don't see it as nitpicking. They no. think this is a serious issue or significant. And sometimes, I guess, you know, if there's like a doctrinal error or something like that. Uh, or if you just want to evaluate, hey, I think you could be a better preacher. Let me tell you about that. Um, <laughs> right after the sermon is not the time. No. And the majority of the time, these things are nitpicks. But even the ones that aren't, just wait. Yep. Give it time. I, I, I recommend waiting to Tuesday. I agree. For a couple of reasons. Number one, even on Monday, the pastor is exhausted. Yep. It's usually the pastor's worst day. Not for everybody, but for most guys, it's the worst day it's the day that they're most tempted to think, what else is out there that I could do? Yes. <laughs> is there another church I could go to? Is there another job, another field altogether I could go to? So to to bring the criticism on that day would, is just a really vulnerable, sensitive time. Wait till Tuesday or he'll be more prepared for it. Or if you wait till Tuesday, you may discover it's not it's that not big that a bad. deal. Yeah. If it's still pressing you on Tuesday, then okay. Yeah. Feel free, I suppose. But, yeah, it gives you the double reason to wait till mm-hmm. Tuesday is that he'll be better prepared for it. And you might discover it's really not yeah. that pressing an issue. But right after the yeah. sermon, man, like you just delivered this thing. You're praying. You're hopeful about it. You're also tired. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just exhausted I'm after usually, I preached. Yep. It's not the time that I want to hear, oh, you got this reference wrong or you did, you know, or maybe you should do this more or something like that. I'm, I'm like, oh, man. 
Just so you know, my wife is already telling me those things straight after the service. So <laughs> you don't, you guys don't need to tell me it, you know, because okay. Miriam's always like, you quoted Matthew 19, you actually read Matthew 17, you know that? I'm like, oh, come on. Well, and I don't know about you, but I also, I come off of there thinking of all the things that I did wrong I, already. I, yeah. Like in my head, I'm rehearsing, oh, I misquoted this yeah. or I did that or I stumbled there and. I'm awash with an insecurity about yep. it already. Yep. So you coming up to tell me, hey, yep. by the way, that you know, yep. that really sucked eggs. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, I'm like, thank you. Um, yeah. Really appreciate that. Yeah. I want to go stick my head in a bucket now, yeah. you know. So I'm going to give you a, a, a Sunday morning pet peeve. It's a phrase when people leave the service or just after they've given you the nitpicking on all their sermons. Here's my next one. Good sermon. Good sermon. <laughs> okay. Good sermon that people say to you at the front door as you leave. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't yeah. care if it was good or bad. I care whether <laughs> something's changing in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually said this in, in uh, one church. I said uh, there was like 200 people filing out. And I said, look, everybody says, you know, great sermon, good sermon, or thanks for that. Um, don't say that when you leave. Say what encouraged you or what challenged you or what I can pray for you as the week. You know, just think about it now as we finish up the service. Don't be saying good sermon. Say man, that's going to change my life this week or this and, uh, yeah, you know, all yeah. these sorts of things. And, you know, it kind of worked. You know, people were leaving saying, man, that first 14 <laughs> really challenged me. And then one guy just came up and went, bad sermon. Oh. And I went, oh. And he went, that's enough. And then walked out. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but okay. this is, it's a, it is a personal pet peeve. And here's the reason, you know, we're not preaching so that you can tell us it was a good job. I mean, you know, we're not actually interested yeah, yeah. in that. I mean, we kind of are, yeah. as in we're hoping we're doing a good job. And you're kind of saying we're, we're hoping we're giving you the, the very best of our abilities, we're giving the Lord the best of our abilities. But that is not why we're doing it. Uh, those are TED Talks. People want good TED Talks. Yeah. I don't want good sermon. I want that sermon brought me to Jesus and I can see how that's going to change my life this week. I, I want yeah. depth to the response, not just good sermon, let's go and have lunch. <laughs> I was preaching in um, Alabama a few years ago and after the service of standing by the door to greet people as mm. they exited and, you know, the first lady came and she said, really enjoyed that sermon. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And I uh, was really moved by her enjoyment. And the next lady came and said, really enjoyed that sermon. And I said, oh, well, you know, thank you. And then the third lady and the fourth lady. And it was like 20 old ladies in a row who all said the exact same thing, enjoyed that sermon. And I thought, oh, this is just, this what, is they just what they say. say. Yep. I wanted to say, what did you enjoy about it? Yep. And, and I would have said that. <laughs> I, but the impression at the end was none of them actually enjoyed this sermon. It's just I'm at the door and they got to say, say something. Yep. That's what you say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Your next one. Okay. My next one is, uh, and this is, again, another personal pet peeve. And it's very, it depends on the motive here. You've been in churches where the service starts and no one is in, mm -hmm. no one is seated. I, I travel a lot and I go to a lot of these churches where I'm constantly assured. So I'm, 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 I'm you know, the guest preacher or something. Mm -hmm. The service starts, the band has begun, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. There's like six people and my host is saying, we, you know, they all come in usually about in the second song or, or like, don't worry, they'll be here by the time you're preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes they call it, you know, whatever the local area is, that kind of time. Yeah, yeah. So at my last church, we called it, mid, you know, Middletown time. Everyone's on Middletown time. I was like, no, this isn't Middletown time. It's just everyone being late. This yeah. is everyone just being on purpose, <laughs> lackadaisical. It's become a cultural thing that we just don't care to be there for the start of the service. One thing I love about Liberty, and, and people will come in late mm. for reasons. Yep. They're dropping kids off or they just yep. happen to get out of the house late or whatever. Like, that's fine. 
I'm talking about like the cultural experience of like, hey, we'll come in when we feel like it. The service has begun, but we, there's no eagerness or enthusiasm to be with the body, yeah. just, you know, seated down. And especially when you have visitors, the visitors sitting there going, what did I come to? There's only seven people yeah. here. So my pet peeve is people coming in after the service has started, not for any legitimate reason, but just because oh, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I wander in during the music at some point, you know, that really bothers me. I'm glad you said for a legitimate <laughs> reason, because there is a relatively... No, people are late for all kinds of reasons. There's a yeah. relatively famous preacher who's just got into trouble for this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Have I? He, oh, this is the Greer thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because when you hit this <laughs> what one, did he say? Like, he said... I didn't uh, even watch the clip. I, if I just... you turn up late and you leave early... It's not that we're an unwelcoming church. You're the problem. Whoa. And like he goes, and he's he like, shows violence. <laughs> and I was just when you started this, I thought, well, JD Greer's had a bit of a backlash for this one. <laughs> FTC podcast is going to have it. No, yeah, I yeah. get you. It's we're not talking about genuine reasons. You know, uh, late because of dropping kids off. Yeah, I mean that's just hard normal to get human life. House. Yeah, what yeah. we're talking about is ah, who cares when it well, starts? Well, and there's people who have ministry obligations yep. or service things. Yep. People, and we have people who come into the service late because they're helping people check in for yeah. something or yeah. they're you know working as a greeter. My yeah. wife will sometimes come seated during the first song yeah. because she's at the door greeting people yeah. and people come in late and that sort of thing. I understand that. I'm just talking about like culturally. Yeah. This is just the church. Like we don't, you know, come and get yeah. seated until this this thing's underway. Yeah. That really bothers In me. In my last church, uh, one of my leaders, Ola, he, he was a fantastic guy, Nigerian, and he would always, always, always come in late, just like that. And he's like yeah. Nigerian time and, and like big, big guy and really funny. <laughs> so I got it to the point where I was just like, oh man, he's coming in late again today. Okay, well, he's a he's a good laugh. So I was like, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, Ola and his family have arrived. And we kind of like, and it was a joke because we're a family-based yeah. church, a community-based church. We were clapping Ola and hey, Ola's family's in. And he just, he just declared, I walk in like a king. Oh, wow. <laughs> just, okay. I was like, because we were a family church yeah. and everyone knew everybody, we could do things like that. But if you're half your church is turning up late, yeah. Like you have a different culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like there's a family that has like six kids or something, yeah. and like you know, you're just glad that they got there. Yeah. You know, they may be coming in straggling, but they had to get six kids ready or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, I'm not talking about that. No, I'm talking about like this cultural thing yeah. of just we'll show, and it's pretty, pretty common. I see it in yeah. a lot of churches that I travel to. It's kind of annoying. Okay, my next one uh, relates main. The context of it is mainly to Sunday mornings, and this is it. Treating the pastor's wife as an employee. Okay, yeah. Um, so this is mainly in relation to Sunday mornings. So one of my, this pet peeve really is related to experience that Miriam and I have had, where when you hire your pastor and when you put him in place, there's sometimes this assumption that you're getting two for one, that you're getting the pastor's right. wife. And more often than not, she's going to be given certain ministries. So she's going to be given children's ministries. She's going to be given maybe the nativity organizing, the women's ministry, the meal ministry and meal train ministry. And it's just like this almost assumed thing that that's what the pastor's wife does. Now, my wife, Miriam, is talented at all of these things, and she has done many of them over the years. But the assumption that yeah. that's what she wants to do and is best served to do uh, really gets to me. So, for instance, one of our churches, they assumed that Miriam wanted to do the nativity three years in a row. And she was like, no, yeah, I have three kids in there. I'm going to have to parent and lead it at the same time. No, I don't want to do that. 
what I would love to do is the welcoming on the front door, get excited people coming in for the nativity. But no, that's not what the pastor's wife does. <laughs> so one of the pet peeves is easily resolved. Let the pastor's wife be member first. Let mm -hmm. her be like every other member. Enjoy church, serve in church, serve where her giftings where her gifts are. are yeah. Exactly. Don't just assume. And I, I believe Liberty, where we go now, is pretty good at this, of saying, you know, we're not going to assume that you're going to want to do these things. Where would you like to serve? If you have the time to serve while, you know, also raising families and things. But yeah, that really gets on me. Miriam's very gracious. She'll usually do it. Um, but I'm just, I'm always just like, no, my wife doesn't jump to your tune because you've, you've said something, you know, come to me. I'm the employee. I'll do the best I can. If you say you need someone from the nativity, I might ask my wife, but I'm not going to assume that she does it. So that, that really gets to me because it just yeah. treats pastor's wives as less than what they are. Yeah. Um, One of the most reassuring things in an interview once, so I was coming from, we had planted a church where my wife did a thousand things, uh, you know, a great number of which she, like I said, she's gifted at it, but wouldn't have been her first preference to do. So she mm. ran the women's ministry. She did the childcare. Yeah. I mean, it was just the nature of the church plant. And so she just was always doing things. And when I was interviewing at my next church, I wanted to make sure that this was not going to be the expectation. Yeah. And I, I asked them and, you know, the search team, you know, what would be the expectations? And w one of the brothers very helpfully just said, we're hiring you. Yeah. You know, we want her to be a church member yep. and to be your wife and yep. to, you know, to serve however she wants to serve, but we're not hiring, we're hiring you. Mm -hmm. And that was just, it was just a huge relief to be able, you know, for her to have the freedom, yeah. you know, to do what she wanted to do. Well, I almost got in trouble, I guess, with the people coming in late. So okay. let me try to really get in trouble. <laughs> and maybe I'll pose it as a question to you. Oh, so you're going to bring me into trouble. How do you feel about babies crying during <laughs> during the sermon? <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Okay, I'll go. I was this, this, say, is my, I, this is my pet peeve. I have, so a not, very, I have an opinion. So I have an opinion as well. First of all, the baby can't help it. I agree. <laughs> Just like you know, someone who's nodding off, maybe they worked late hours or something. Let me backtrack. If you're falling asleep because you were up watching Netflix till 3 a.m., then I'm mad at you. <laughs> if, you're, because you're, if you're up, if you're tired because you're working hard to provide for your family mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, you're up late doing ministry stuff or something. Yeah, snooze all you want. You can even snore. That's that's you're that's dodging okay. your one. <laughs> but let me come back to the babies thing. I will. I would never say anything while I'm preaching about kids or babies. Uh -huh. I would like zero. Just say nothing. Mm -hmm. And the large part of that is because you have no idea what the situation is. Mm -hmm. You may have a visitor who doesn't know, doesn't feel comfortable putting their baby in nursery or it's their first time in church or whatever, to say something embarrasses them, singles them out, mm -hmm. makes them feel terrible, et cetera. But? But <laughs> let me just say, setting situations like that aside, the normal kid noise, fine. I'm good with mm -hmm. kids in the service. At our church, yep. people, we, we, we have child care. Some people use it. Some people don't. It's not a deal at our church. Yep. Nobody cares about that. Kids who are making normal kid noise. Yep. Hey, mom, can I have a piece of gum? Yep. I need another crayon. I mean, that's just a family church is happening. A baby making baby noises. Yeah. Totally fine. I'm talking like the kid has lost its mind. <laughs> the kid is wailing. And mom doesn't seem to care at all. That, or dad. Or dad that this is, you're right. Oh, mom or dad doesn't seem to care at all that this could be a distraction. <laughs> 
not just to the people around them, but also to the preacher who's losing his train of thought because there is a siren going off in the congregation. I find it really difficult to put myself in that headspace. And again, not talking about those who just, they don't know about church. They don't yeah. know, you know, they don't know that there's places to go or there's a, there's a cry room where you can hear the sermon or that you can take your kid into the foyer to see if they can, you know, dry up, you know, whatever. I'm talking about like those who know yeah. and don't care there, there or was, apparently don't care. There was a situation recently where a child was crying and again, it was, it's fine. You yeah. know, you think the child will settle down. You can see the parents, you know, here's a little snack and all this sort of stuff. And then she just wailed like, like kids do, do you know, yeah. you know, you're in a silent place and kids just wail loud. And their, their response was to put the hand over the mouth to like stifle the sound. <laughs> so it's like, ah, and you could still hear yeah. it. And I was just like, you, you're a member of this church. You know that we have a baby room. You know that the sermon is fed through into that baby room. Yeah. This has been going on several minutes now. And yes, that's the thing. You're getting more yeah. more flustered. Just stand up and go out. You know, you know it's but, but I, as I say it, my my mind also comes around to reasons why maybe they I don't know like maybe they've got four kids and, well, and dad's not there and you can't just take the baby out because you're eating the other kids. We or, have twins and that used to be a problem. Yeah, if one so, twin was unsettled. So and, I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking of yep. scenarios where like okay, you don't know what to do and you're just you want you hope and, and you're mortified. As well, I totally get that. You got a baby on an airplane, right? And the baby's, you know, having a meltdown, and it's just so embarrassing. You're trying to apologize to everybody. You know, you know, we understand. Like kids are kids. There, you know, that, that's going to happen. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. I get that. I'm talking about there's yep. there's something you can do, and you just don't. You just think, oh, this is we're just going to absorb this experience altogether. Doesn't occur to you to mm-hmm. even. You are in know. so much trouble. I'm probably in big trouble. Just, just, I don't know. If you're listening. I'm just thinking about you I'm thinking of you. the people <laughs> around you, but also when you're preaching yeah. and somebody. It happened at FTC conference so, last year. It, yes, it did. I was thinking, and it's happened in a couple of conferences I've been to where I'm like, you could take the kid out into the yeah. thing there. I mean, it's so distracting. And I'm going to stop talking because <laughs> we're going to get our first negative reviews. Oh, yeah. Or more negative reviews. I'm, like I'm not with him, folks. He's on his own on this one. <laughs> He's on his own. Please consider all of my caveats before you get upset about this. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, you got any more? Yeah. Mine is like, uh, this is from more during the week, uh, not respecting the pastor's day off. Okay. So yeah. th- this this one really bugs me. And my, my day was Monday off. I always took Monday off. It's the day where, as you say, it's the day where you're most tempted to quit, the day where you feel the lowest about your sermon, the day where you really want to spend some time with your wife um, and really need to. So Miriam and I used to go for walks, we'd go for breakfast together, spend some time with kids, you know, just remind ourselves that there is more in our life than than just the church, you know, that, that we are, you know, mm. husband, family man, or just even just some peace ourselves. And I used to have members that would know where we lived and would actively turn up to our house on those days, even though they knew it was my yeah. day off. And that then left me with a choice. Do I hide, not answer the door? Do I let Miriam answer the door, which is not really fair to kind of throw her in it? Do we just ignore the door, assuming that no one's here? Or do we open that door knowing I might lose my entire day off? And when you say it's only for emergencies, just to make it clear and blunt, that emergency is death or serious health, close to death. Mm. We have elders, we have leaders, we have deacons. There's a reason for that. So you can take a day off. So it really gets to me because 
if you want your pastor to last, yeah, you need to give those boundaries and respect those boundaries. And if I turned up at your house on a evening when you've got your feet up watching Netflix and started demanding off you in your house, you wouldn't like it. So why would you do that to your pastor? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I know pastors, some pastors can abuse this and, and take too much time off, all this sort of stuff. I'm just talking about the normal rhythms of ministry. Your pastor needs a day off, leave him alone. And this has often happened even in stores. Like we would go and do our family shopping on Mondays because that's the time we had together to do it. And I'll, you know, if you see church members, you're like, hey, hey, you know, you, but everybody knows it's your day off. So, so just give them some space, you know. Hey, pastor, enjoy your groceries. Hope you have a good day off. You don't need to share your burdens in that moment. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that, that just gets to me because I've served in smaller communities and you can't get away yeah, from no, members. And there was one church we served in where we decided to get away and just have a total rest day. We would jump in the car and just go for a drive, just see where we go. It so happened it came after a very difficult members meeting the day before. And I was getting texts and calls all day long on my day off saying, your car's not here. Your car's not outside your house. Where are you? Are you okay? And I'm like, stop stalking me. I just want a day off. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking my wife into the city to enjoy mm. some time together. So yeah, give the guy a break. Yeah. Um, well, I'm out of peeves. I have, have, any, uh, you have any others that you want to add? One more. Okay. Let, let's, let's finish on your... Squabbles over nothing. <laughs> okay. And this is, just to be clear, squabbles that you elevate to needing the pastor or elders uh, or other people involved over absolutely nothing. Okay. So here's one. I was away on holiday for a week. I got a call from a member of the church because they had fallen out with a leader because they didn't put paper in the printer, even though they asked them to. And there's clearly a problem between the two of them. I'm like, go away. <laughs> like, paper in the printer. That's yeah. a squabble you've elevated. I mean, this to is something. like kids coming into the kitchen yeah. to tell mom. Yeah. Another squabble. Someone's sitting on my seat. <laughs> Sit on a different that seat. That sounds like a UP, yeah, not an MP. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's plenty of uh, seats here. Yeah, yeah no they all work. The best one, though, is refreshments. Don't like the coffee. Why are we having donuts? Oh. What are we having here? <laughs> we're only serving them for 30 minutes after the church. And then people came. I've had people be like, oh, they brought their dirty coffee cups, you know, five minutes after we've done the dishes. I'm like, this is not a squabble I care anything about. Do you know? Like yeah. you you have hired me in a role to spiritually care for you and to lead this church and to preach the gospel and to reach the lost and to serve the poor and to help the needy. And you're coming to me about coffee cups not being clean. Like it really gets This is why me. we have deacons to wait tables. <laughs> it's it's just so silly. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, we we did redid our platform area. We had to uh, completely refurb the whole thing. And that, you know, we ingressed all of the electronics into the floor so you didn't see them. Okay. And then someone came up to the platform, a church member, and looked down and went, oh, you can kind of see where the electronics are because the carpet doesn't quite fit. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, get, let's just not, not get this wrong. Eight volunteers in the church who haven't got paid has spent four days redoing this whole thing, putting brand new technology, entirely gifted financially from the church, to completely refurb this and we're excited about our first worship service and you're concerned that you can see where the plug is. <laughs> it is just these squabbles that yeah. push my self-control button to out of control. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I had 
one that I crossed out to talk about babies. (laughs) (laughs) And it was basically focusing on negatives, which is kind of close to what you're saying here, which is just when you look at the church and you just see deficiencies— like that—that's not a pleasant person to be around. Yeah. And I think if we had to, you know, wrap this thing up on a more positive note, because <laughs> we've listed our our festivist grievances here, it's it's to say like, how can you how can your posture toward the church mm-hmm. be one of service and help and encouragement? We all have preferences. Yeah. We all have disappointments. It's just part of living life. If the thing doesn't rise to a wait till Tuesday, yeah deal or a, um, you know, a a more than nothing squabble, maybe those are things we just absorb and we, we, and and we let go, you know, can we be the kind of churchgoers, can we be the kind of congregation that isn't just coming to church for our own Mm -hmm. purposes or for our own needs? I mean, that's fine. We're all needy people, but can we come to the church? Like, how can I meet the needs of others? Yep. How can my disposition, how can my demeanor, how can my, how can, you know, what I say, how can the time I show up, mm-hmm. how can, how can all of this serve my neighbor yeah. at, at, at church? I think that's a good way to. Yeah. I would advise reading the letter of Philippians. It's really interesting that Paul's clearly writing about an issue, which he gets to in chapter four. Two ladies have fallen out. They're not getting on together. He spends three and a half chapters or significant amount of writing reminding us about the love of Christ, remembering, reminding us about the example of Christ, reminding us to do unto others as we would do to ourselves, to put others before ourselves, to think of others' interests. And then right at the end, he doesn't even tell us what the issue is. He just says, <laughs> I entreat that these two You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. And that's the kind of point we're getting Wilson, at found online at ftc.com. get on with each other. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological two. Seminary. It's good note to end Kansas on. If you enjoy the podcast, you're listening. Where we train leaders. Give us a good review the on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church.